Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Come one, come all, and check out the Real Film Nerds Podcast episode number 261. I think that's right. Mike, it's 261? Yeah, I think that's right. I didn't Matt, Google it. Matt, are, are, are we geeks today or what? Oh, hell yeah, we are. We are super geeks today. Although I prefer my chicken fried. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. I think I like mine grilled better or rotisserie. 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 Yeah. Boston market. Dude, I wish we had one of those here. How the hell do I live in a retirement community that doesn't have a Boston market? I don't know, man. That's 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 a travesty. Especially you guys are getting all those things. You got you got all the city people coming. They're yeah. gonna bring their city things, dude. They need their Pilates. They need their their uh, their Boston markets. Lacroix, Lacroix. Yeah, Lacroix. <laughs> you mean the the shitty people? With yeah, the... yeah, the city people, city. <laughs> oh, shitty people. <laughs> oh, South Park. I love you. Um, okay, Mike, so Real Film Nerds episode number one, two, no, two, not one. It's always number one because you're number one, Mike. Uh, number 261, episode 261. There, I can speak the English. We're talking about an Oscar-nominated film for Best Picture for this year, 2022. The, I guess it's 2021 because that's when the film supposedly came out. We're talking about Nightmare Alley directed and co-written by Guillermo del Toro. Mike, why don't you give us the rundown for this fantastical film? All right, man, I will. All right, so it was directed and uh, partially written by Guillermo del Toro and screenplay was Kim Morgan. This movie is starring Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins... Rooney uh, Mara, Ron Perlman, Mary Steenburgen, David Stratum. It's it's like a who's who of like all kinds of great actors. Anyway, uh, an ambitious carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. See, I think that's that's not a super accurate, you know, description of this film because that's only like the last third of the film yeah that's that's not the best but the other ones are really really wordy and i I don't know but you know this this uh i think this movie is a little bit hard to describe it is i can it is i could i could try and describe it it's like the the first act is this thing the second act this thing you know it's I don't know. It's hard to describe. It's no worries, man. There's a lot going on. Uh, I have to say, Mike, surprisingly, I thought this was going to be like a monster movie, like most of Guillermo del Toro's previous films. Not all of them, but a lot of them, because that's what he loves to do. That's what he's known for. Uh, This is more of a monster movie, as in the person inside is a monster. And I rather enjoyed it. I thought it was a very interesting film. Um, the last third, which is what the description is, wasn't really my favorite part of the film. I will say my favorite part of the film is the first third or maybe the first two thirds. But uh, yeah, uh, surprisingly, I really, really enjoyed this film. I didn't have high hopes for it. I thought it was kind of weird. But dude, 
stellar cast. Just incredible. Everyone is in this movie. Yeah, the cast is really what makes this movie. I mean, also the awesome visuals, the the beginning part of the the carnival or or freak show. I don't know what you would call it, but uh, that was really, really neat. I thought that was amazing. Just the period piece. Like, I didn't know this was a period piece or anything. <laughs> well, I think it's a, a, a carnival and a freak show because, you know, a freak show is part of a carnival. When I was discussing this film with my mother, uh, we didn't do the radio today. It was called Out Sick. But she kept referring to it as a circus, and it was started by, you know, P.T. Barnum. I'm like, no, there is a very, very big difference between a carnival and a circus. Carnivals have rides. Circuses have animals. The animals are the freaks in the carnival. (laughs) I guess is how I would describe the two. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, no, I really liked it. That's... I don't want to go out on a limb because we haven't seen all the best picture nominees yet. We've seen a lot of them. My opinion, hands down the cinematography of this film right now of the ones I've seen, I think should win it. I mean, it was really gorgeous. It was very unique, very pretty, very well done. Wonderful shots. Um, the only thing that I, I think probably rivals it that's better is probably Dune. Because I know Dune's nominated for Best Picture and Best Cinematography. Uh, this is on the level of Dune. It was fantastic. It was really, really good. Yeah, it, it was really well done. Um, there's just there's so many act, like great actors in this movie, uh, and it's it's a different kind of story. I guess I guess you're right, Matt. Uh, without giving away too much, it is kind of a, about the person inside getting consumed by by evil or 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 just their own uh greed or 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 whatever's missing in their life i don't know you know like i i think greed is a good descriptor but also ego yeah yeah and and just there's there's some cool you know um i guess for they're uh, not cool but there's there's foreshadowing used and like you can kind of see some stuff is going to happen, but you just don't know how it's going to happen. So you keep on watching. It's like a, you know, if when the train's going to hit the car, you, you know, it's going to happen, but you keep looking. Yeah. You can't look away. Right. Just like, you know, uh, what, what do we call it? They actually have laws against it here in Arizona. What is it? A uh, rubbernecking. They have rubbernecking laws. You know, it's like you're driving by the car accident and you can't look away. You don't want to look at it, but you can't look away at the same time, right? Yeah, no, that's that's a hundred percent right, man. So, yeah, you're right. I, I knew with uh, Guillermo del Toro being involved that the uh, the visuals of this movie, the cinematography, would be really well done, and you know he continues that streak. You know, like lots of beautiful colors when they're needed and i don't know it was it was cool like i really liked how they did the 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 carnival uh set scenes like i felt that was so neat i was like wow this is really really cool looking and like there's constantly like they're showing you little different shows and stuff it was neat yeah this is this is a feast for the eyes especially in the background you know there's a whole lot going on a whole lot of things to pay attention to the wardrobe, the costuming, uh, the way people hold themselves, their mannerisms, the way they talk. I mean, it's that, that whole first, I'm going to say two thirds of the film I thought was absolutely wonderful. 
Um, we can discuss the rest of it when we get into the spoiler section, because the last third is very different than the first. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. And it's supposed to be, but it, yeah, it was it was definitely different. Um so I guess with that, Matt, I will ask you what are you drinking this fine morning, evening, afternoon? <sighs> well, Michael, I am going through my stockpile of Mexican beers. I have a Dos Equis Amber. And it's delightful. All right, man. That's great. That's great. I am again drinking the uh, hazy IPA from Aldi. I, I pretty much now it's like a commercial for Aldi, but it's good, man, and it's uh, reasonably priced. So, Mike, since we don't have any Aldis over here in Arizona, um, can you approach them for sponsorship? And we can just be, what are you drinking? Brought to you by Aldi, and they can ship uh, that- me beer. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. I think I think that'd be neat. I don't. So, are they in Arizona at all, Matt? Not that I know, know of, no sir. Okay, it's just a, a, a it's a German grocery store chain. So, uh, and they, they do things a little differently, but it's good, man. I was talking to one of my clients that's um, looking to move here from Minnesota, and he was talking about Aldi, and he was saying how Aldi has an inflatable hot six person hot tub that's for sale for like 600 bucks and they can't keep the stupid things in stock. And I'm like, I can't imagine why that sounds absolutely wonderful for me, you know, cause I'm about the size of six people. Ah, uh, ah, uh, yes. I, I, I see, man. Um, I don't know, man. They, they, they sell a lot of interesting things, dude. Uh, I think, uh, Mags picked up a kiddie pool for our son there. While getting, you know, food. Dude, beers and hot tubs. How the hell do we not have one of these? I know. All they need is a time machine. That Yeah, we're good. We're golden. You know, then we can go back to the ski resort in Flagstaff in 1985 or whatever 80s year it was. And rock out and, you know, live live our best lives in the ski as a ski bum. Yes. Yes. Okay, Mike. So this now means I hope you're ready. Your favorite part of the entire program. Mike, what horrible dad joke are you going to read and torture our listeners with today? I got dad jokes. I don't think they understand, though. Gotta think I'm funny. Other people never laugh, though. Dad jokes. Oh, dude. Come on. You love them, man. You love them. How do you get a farm girl's attention? With or without a goat? A tractor. <laughs> I think the goat one was better, but that's fine. That's fine, Mike. That's definitely a dad joke. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I almost said donkey, but that probably would have been too far. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you didn't go too far. <laughs> okay, Mike. Well, let's get it out of the way again. This is like three or four weeks in a row of nothing but easy MCU tie-ins. This is another really freaking easy one. But, Mike, how does Nightmare Alley relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe?
All right, Matt. So this is easy, and I don't mind. Uh, this is, of course, uh, I'm going to use a Bradley Cooper for this as a Rocket from uh, Avengers um, Endgame and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and uh, Avengers uh, Infinity War. And then, you know, now, Matt, I could also use Willem Dafoe, right? Yes, you Cause, can. Because cause, uh, now he's in the MCU. But I'm not, so. It's fine. Anyway. The main character, that's two weeks in a row of the main character in the film being tied to the MCU. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, man, I loved all the characters in this. The characters of this movie were just great, like... Such great actors, and it just it just helps the movie so much, I think. I don't know. All right, so here's the warning that we are now in spoilers, everyone, but we are now in spoilers. So let me retort Mike's thing. Yes, I absolutely loved everyone that was in this. Uh, I think it was wonderful seeing Ron Perlman on the big screen again. Uh, that dude's getting up there, man. He is. He's getting old. He's. I think he's in his 70s now. Uh, so I don't know how much longer he's going to be acting. I would love to see him and Guillermo del Toro get together and finish out their Hellboy trilogy because they only did the two films and it was supposed to be a trilogy. That would be freaking awesome. But uh, Ron Perlman has talked about it. He's like, he's honest. He's like, dude, I'm fucking old. He's like, I don't want to be doing all these stunts and stuff in my 70s, you know, but it was great seeing him in this film. You know, I miss him. Sons of Anarchy was one of my favorite shows ever. Yeah, no, uh, I was uh, telling Mags about who was in it, and I was like, oh, you know, the guy from Sons of Anarchy. She's like, oh, yeah. I was like, okay, good. I'm glad you remember. But yeah, 70, he's 72, dude. Yeah, he's up there, dude. He's up there. So I, I would I would love him to be around forever because I think he is a, a wonderful actor, and I don't know how he didn't get more roles when he was younger, but hey, we got him now. We better cherish him while we got him, you know. Um, just everyone did a really wonderful job in this film, from Bradley Cooper on down. I think it's kind of strange how they put. Um, oh, I don't have my IMDb up in front of me, but uh, Kate Blanchett, ah, the, yes, who played the therapist, as like the a star in this film. She is not a star in this film. It was more the young lady that w- w- told around with Bradley Cooper's character. I don't know her name. You have it. Rooney uh, Mara? Yeah. She's not one of the stars, but she clearly is a star in this film. She's in this film almost the whole thing. You know? Granted, she's not a big, well-known actress, but she's in the whole thing. Yeah. uh, She was in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. She played the girl. Yeah. She's just just not super well-known like Kate Blanchett. So they're using her name as star power, just like, um, uh, God, um, uh, Tony Collette. You know, Tony Collette is not a star in this film, but she's on there as a star. Oh, I guess that's true. But her her character, even though it's more towards the first third of the movie, is is really valuable, and then kind of makes uh, an appearance again a little later on. And and I don't know, I don't know. You're right. Yeah, no, I I agree. I'm not arguing against that. I just wouldn't consider a star. Like, the star you think is in every single part of the film. She's not in the end of the film. She's not really kind of in the middle. Once basically Bradley Cooper's character leaves the carnival, then she's kind of out. 
Yeah, that I, that's true. That's true. Um, I really like Willem Dafoe's character, even though we didn't get to see him all the way. But I, I liked when you would just go into like announce like his announcing or whatever, even though it was just him and Bradley Cooper. Yeah, he was just talking. He was still giving his spiel. Yeah, it was wonderful. William Defoe, uh, I mean, he he killed it. And the the passion and everything that he put behind the character, like that whole scene, again, where you are in the spoilers, the whole scene where they're going through basically the jarred fetuses of everything and the freaks and all that shit. Um, like he was, he put passion into talking about those fetuses, you know, from the pig to the, you know, the, the baby with the third eye and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, no, no, he doesn't like that. And it was like a fetus of a pig. And he like turned the jar and stuff. It was, it was real interesting how passionate he, how much passion he put into his character. And it wasn't a super big part. I would say it was, you know, co-starring kind of part. Yeah. Uh, one of the scenes where he's explaining how you, uh, how you get a geek was uh, quite interesting. I mean, it plays into the entire movie, but that was a that was an interesting scene. I, that it was, it, you know, there's there's several scenes in this movie that kind of lead to different things, and that one was like, why why are we learning about this? And of course, later on, we we find out more. Yeah, because yeah, they go into. A- hardcore intricate detail about the geek at the beginning of the film and you're just like okay that's interesting but why do i care well you find out at the end of the film yeah for sure um yeah i don't know man it was just good like uh the the character that was uh pete he also kind of had some foreshadowing where he said he started to get too confident so he can't do it anymore like that was interesting where he was like i pulled myself out i didn't want to become he had a term forget what it was do you remember what i'm saying no i don't i I don't remember what term he used but yeah um, Yeah. that actor again dude just star-studded cast i mean even the smaller characters like uh, towards the end, you know, the, the main rich guy, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the actor, but he was in Step Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm forgetting his name. Again, I don't have my name. Rich, Richard Jenkins. Yeah, Richard Jenkins. And then the wife from Step Brothers is in the film as well. I mean, the, the just oh, yeah. star-studded, right. <laughs> man. I mean, just star-studded. It really is amazing how many people want to work with Guillermo del Toro, you know? Yeah, but I mean, it it was a it was a well done. Uh, you know, it's kind of sad, Matt. I don't think this movie will win uh, Best Picture, and it's likely because the 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 Shape of Water just won not too long ago, right? And not that they ever do that, but I they they absolutely don't they do that. Um, I feel like they'll be like, well, someone else needs to get Best Picture, but this is a better movie. You know, I I don't I don't want to say it. It's probably going to be Power of the Freaking Dog, man. Yeah, and I agree. This is, in my opinion, I think this is a much better film than The Shape of Water. I, I really I really did enjoy this film. Now, is it Guillermo del Toro's best work? No, but it's some really it's really good. Um, I think it's two thirds of a movie. Uh, again, we're in spoilers, so we can start talking about this. I think the last third of the movie was boring as shit. I think they should have just taken it out. 
I, I think the first two thirds when they're in the carnival and they're in the freak show and they're explaining all that stuff, I understand why they had the last third in there, but they didn't need it to be that long. It shows him becoming a swindler, going to the town, taking advantage of the rich, pocketing their money by telling them what they want to hear. It's, you know, like that um, South Park had that whole episode where they made fun of people that do that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the real estate agents? How dare you? How <laughs> no. dare you, Michael? No, no, you, you're right. No, man, it was, uh, it was, um, and like... I don't know the 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 psychologist really got to him and like once he started drinking I was like oh it's over. But like it it, it was just I don't know. I I I guess he thought he could do it better or something and he was just I guess greedy and he found something that he loved to do, but it was maybe not the best thing to put your passion into, which is con people, like really work on it and like it is actually quite fascinating how much we give away by our our stuff. Like, just if if people really observe the way that the they call themselves mentalists, right, right, exactly. We would all like know a ton more about people, I guess, uh, to to an extent, right? You you'd get things wrong because a lot of times they're just doing educated guess. Yeah, well, yeah, and they show that in the film, you know, especially with with the introduction of Kate Blanchett, where he picked up on what she had in her her purse. He called out, you know, what it typically would have been, you know, typical lady stuff, you know, money and like gloves and something else. But he picked up that she was grasping it in a different way, and it looked like she was holding it differently because it was a little heavy. He picked up that it was a gun, and he nailed it. He was right on. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's just one of the examples, but, like, that was, like, their whole shtick, I guess, was really just trying to to look at people real hard, look at the shoes, look at everything, and just be able to tell all about them. It was was very interesting, if you you think about that. It's, like, we do really give away a lot of about ourselves by just wearing the clothes that we wear. Like me, they just think I was a bum. Well, it's because you are, Mike. I mean... A bum and a father. Yeah, that's there you go. Well, Mike, they also used cues in it. So, like, she would say certain words. Like, they show the training of him kind of learning how to do it, where she would say certain words that would trigger him to know what is, like, what color hair or whatever they were doing by saying, like, precious or, you know, magnificent or whatever. Like, saying these other words would lead him into what, uh, the person is that they're trying to tell a fortune, I guess, or the future or whatever. Yeah. I'm not sure what they, I don't remember them ever saying what they were like in the movie. Like, I mean, uh, Bradley Cooper talked about being mentalist, but that, that was it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what they called it, but it was, um, you know, they were kind of telling the future and telling past and saying they're communicating with, you know, the dead. I mean, all that crap. That's, I mean, that's straight out of, you know, I don't remember when that was real big here recently. That was what, late late 90s, early 2000s? I don't even remember the people that did it. There was like four or five of them that were on TV that were doing that crap. Oh, Miss Cleo. Right. Miss Cleo was one of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She didn't do very well after they caught up to her, but she did great for a while. Yeah, but that's exactly what this movie is. It just takes place in 1941-ish. I don't know. They keep referring 
to it being 1941, but there's a lot of time jumps in this film. So I don't know if it's 100% 1941. Uh, I want to go 38, 39, 40, and 41. I don't know. There's a bunch of time jumps. I think it's like the 30s when he first gets to the to the um, the carnival, sometime in the 30s, and then I don't know how long it goes, and then it it starts with World War uh, Two when he's in the like towards his downfall. Like so, I I don't know. Like, um, but it wasn't clear. It just said the 30s sometime. Yeah, no, I w- I would go with that, but they just kept referencing 41 and. When he first shows up to the carnival, they talk about the war and they're referencing World War One, and how there's this guy with this mustache that's being crazy over in Europe again. And then all of a sudden, you know, it breaks into World War Two kind of thing. But yeah, the uh, <laughs> when they dropped off the geek that was all, uh, I guess, not going to make it, they uh He's like, oh, did you hear about that guy? It looks like Charlie Chaplin. He's he invaded Poland. Right, exactly. So that makes it sound like that's like 39, 38, 39 when they're doing that. Anyways, it it doesn't it doesn't matter. Just remember this takes place right at the start of World War II. Yeah, yeah, no, uh that was fine. Uh, we didn't need to know an exact date. I mean, it was still it was still cool. Like even the opening scene in this where they're like taking down the carnival like that was really cool. Like that was real well done. It's like, man, someone put some time into to researching how this would have gone down and thinking about it. Like that was a lot of work. I just really feel like the movie started out really, really strong and kind of fizzled the farther it got. Yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of did, but uh, like you said, the, the movie was more about the guy, and it just showed you that he he started out kind of with nothing. He started to build himself back up, got real confident, was like, I believe in myself now. I found a passion. Let's go do this on a bigger scale. I can do it better. And then, you know, got in and over his head and touched the alcohol and just, I don't know, it just like spiraled out of control pretty fast. Now, Mike... What do you think about the big twist at the end? Now, not the twist, the geek twist, the other twist involving his father. Uh, you know, I I didn't I didn't see I mean the I didn't see either thing happening really, you know? I mean, we're alluded to a little bit earlier that, that that some stuff went on with his father, but he didn't really talk about it. And then the um, Pete, who's telling him about himself, was like, that's it, I'm done. And he just stopped. Like, he knew he was getting, like, he could read that he was getting into some stuff with Bradley, Cooper's character. So he just, he stopped it. That was interesting. Like, he he knew that he was on, like like, he was doing well. And I guess that's a lot of what they did is they, they you read people like to see if they're giving you the right reactions to, to, to figure out if you keep going in like a certain direction. Yeah. All his guesses were spot on when he was reading Bradley Cooper. And then later on, you find out that he murdered his own father, basically, even though those scenes, specifically that scene right there leads you to believe that his father died s- suddenly and it was detrimental to him. no. You find out later Bradley Cooper killed his father because 
he hated him or he was just wanted to be free of taking care of him or what they don't really explain, but it clearly there's something, something there and something's going on. And then it rolls into, you know, the, the big geek spoiler at the end and all that stuff. So, okay, Mike, let's do it. We're getting towards the end of our time. How many reels do you give nightmare alley? Uh, I'm going to give nightmare alley uh four out of five reels. Like, like he said, it starts out really strong. It's beautifully shot. Amazing actors. Just the finish was a little bit, I mean, I didn't see it coming, but it was just a little bit like, huh, like, I don't know. I don't know which way I would have taken it. So still four and a half, four out of five reels. Well, Mike, I concur. I also give it four out of five reels. It's mostly because that whole third scene where they're in the city and they're swindling the rich man and all that stuff. I just, I don't think it needed to be that long. I think they could have told that kind of wrapping it up a lot faster. Uh, on the flip side, I really like the twist at the end with his father and with the geek thing and him, you know, going back to the freak show, going like full circle. You know, I, I really kind of like that because he realizes that how bad he screwed up his life. And he's like, well, I've always been a geek. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you should have just yeah. done it from the start. Yeah, yeah, no, right, right at the end there, he's like, well, you know, I got a temporary job, and, like, the the guy's giving it to him, like, exactly how Wilm Defoe's character gave it to him, and I was like, oh, that's funny, like, <laughs> it's just temporary, it's, you know, until we find our next geek, he's like, I was born for this, I'm, I'm like, I bet that wasn't the normal answer. No, oh, hell no, yep, and he got him with the drink, you know, with the opium in it and everything, I mean, it was just... Boom, boom, boom. Exactly how he did it. So, all right. Well, next week, uh, we might be quite delayed on the podcast. I will be out of town for work for several days. Uh, I don't think I will have an opportunity to record and edit on the road. So we're just going to be delayed on the pod. It'll give Mike some days to catch up and go see the movie. But Mike, we're going to go back to the theaters with the new Batman film. Are you excited for this one? I am cautiously optimistic it it looks like it could be okay but i don't i don't know i have no idea like it's it's hard to say like i am a real big fan of the christopher nolan series of batmans and i even like the original batmans with michael keaton uh up through val kilmer the ones after that got real weird but i I don't know man i don't know I just don't know why it's a thing now that every about 10 years we get a new Batman. I, I just don't understand it. Uh, just re-release the other films in the- theaters because they were really good. I mean, and Michael Keaton was not the original Batman films. Come on, Mike, how dare you? That was Adam West. All right, right. But the ones that I originally saw. Well, you can always tell how old someone is. You ask them who their Batman is. I know what my answer oh, is. That's funny. What's your answer, Mike? Uh, oh, man. Uh, I, I guess it's Michael Keaton. Dude, whenever anybody asks who's my Batman, I go Michael Keaton. I love Christian Bale, but I Michael Keaton, you know, stepping into the theater at that age, watching the big screen, Batman on the big screen. Oh, dude. I mean, come on. Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Fucking amazing. You know? So good. But... 
I have to say Heath Ledger did do a better job. Okay, I'm going to stop. We can talk about Batman forever. We will talk about Batman a lot on the next podcast. Real Film Nerds episode number three, 200. I almost said it backwards. 263. Damn it. Sometimes I become dyslexic in my own head. All right, Mike, do your thing. All right. Uh, one last thing, Matt, before I, I do our thing. Uh, I just wanted to say about the war with Ukraine and Russia. Go Ukraine. Well put, Mike. So, yeah, I should have prefaced that right at the beginning of the podcast. Mike and I are going to do our best not to talk about the war much. We said that with COVID. Um, and still, we talked about it like every week for like a year. But we're going to try not to talk about the war too much. Just know we both are adamantly against what's going on over there in Ukraine. We think people should be free and live their own country and have their own rules. And what's going on over there is insanity. And it should not be happening in today's modern world. And let's hope this isn't the start of something bigger because God knows we don't ne- we don't need it. No one needs it. No one. So there you go. All right. So, uh, all right. Now I'll do our thing. Uh, thanks for uh, listening, everybody. And make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And, uh, you know, go out there, stream a movie or two, go watch a movie at the theater if you feel comfortable. And uh, I think the COVID thing's actually dropping off. So, at least for now, till the next variant. So, get out there while you can. <laughs> all right. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Catch you on next week. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie. We'll be right back.